0: To the Generous Marriage Podcast, fight less, feel appreciated, and have a deeper connection with your spouse. And now your hosts, Shachar Erez and Ziv Raviv.
1: Hello and welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Hi, I'm Ziv Raviv.
2: And I'm Shachar Erez.
1: And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby. Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby is the founder and clinical director of Growing Self Counseling and Coaching based in Denver, Colorado. And she's also the author of a book that is called Exaholics, Breaking Your Addiction to an Ex-Love. She's also the host of the Love, Happiness and Success podcast. So you can learn a lot. About Dr. Barbie in this interview and later on also in growingself.com. But uh, for now, hello, Lisa. Hi, how are you?
0: I'm so good. And I'm so happy to be here with the two of you to talk about relationships. You guys are doing great stuff.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is uh, amazing. You've been in the trenches, like uh, working with couples, uh, training other people, and helping uh, a couple from so many places just find someone to consult with. And uh, I, I want to ask the first question, just something that has been bothered me personally lately. And that is some couples actually take a very long time before they make a decision to go to couples therapists and, and, and get mm-hmm. some, some help. And yet the, the, the success rate of couples therapy is, is unbelievable. So why do you think this, this happens?
0: I'm so glad that we're talking about this. This is an incredibly important issue. And honestly, not, not to be overly dramatic, but one that can make or break a marriage and ruin a family. Even if people aren't really conscious of this, research shows that couples often wait an average of six years before getting help for their relationship. And this is such a tragedy because research also shows that marriage counseling couples therapy is much more likely to be not just effective, but easy short term when couples come in sooner rather than later when there's a lot of goodwill and trust and respect and generosity and people have a willingness to be open and to make positive changes compared to that couple that has waited too long. It's been six years of hurting each other's feelings and increasing resentment and trust being broken. And many times at that point, if it gets too bad, the best marriage counselor in the world cannot Help that couple. When people get past a point of no return, it's very difficult to mend a relationship. And if you'd like, I could speak about some of the reasons why people do that without even knowing it. Would that be helpful to your listeners?
1: I think it will be. I think uh, it will help them take action. And so, yes, please.
0: I think one of the things I have seen in my practice is that. People believe that getting help for their relationship or talking to a marriage counselor is only for couples who are on the brink of divorce. So when they're having day-to-day negative experiences with each other, it's easy to say, well, it's not that bad. We minimize it. And also that relationships have up and downs. Maybe there's a a fight or a persistent conflict, but then there are a couple of good days in between. And so people put it off. They get busy, they get distracted. And by the time they realize that their relationship has actually been damaged and has become quite toxic, it's too far gone. So paying attention to what's happening, how can this be better? And shifting that story into we love each other and we want the best relationship that we can have. What do we need to do to be proactive about it? Like we go to the gym, like we eat nutritious foods. What are we doing for the benefit of our relationship? Another fallacy I think that trips people up is this idea that couples therapy is expensive. That is not true at all. Even if you work with a very highly qualified marriage counselor who does charge more than some others. When you consider the cost of, you know, 10 sessions of really good marriage counseling, not just in terms of the dollars and cents, but of the value that it brings to your life compared to what you paid for your couch, what you paid for your TV or a little getaway, you know, with your partner, it is nothing. And also compared to what it costs to get a divorce to pay a realtor to sell your house, much less a divorce lawyer. It is the cost of marriage counseling with many, many zeros on the end. It's an investment in your life. And so those are some of the things that I would encourage people to think about if they're like, well, but just do it.
2: Yeah, and and the res- research shows the correlation that uh, happy couples are healthier, they live longer, and they make more, more money. Yes, So Mm -hmm. there's a big uh, return on investment in uh, couples therapy.
0: A huge return.
2: Also, I I, I liked how you mentioned the gym and the practices and what Mm -hmm. what can we do for the relationship? Do you have some good tips, some good habits that couples can do for the best of their relationship to better their relationship?
0: There are so many habits of happy couples. And I think... What is important is for healthy, happy couples to figure out what those are in their relationship. Oftentimes, habits of connection, how we say goodbye at the beginning of the day, how we reconnect in the evening when we're home together again, and the small moments of conversation, collaboration are really crucial, as well as having just a little bit of of time together. But for many families, love is shown through acts of service. Doing the dishes together at the end of the evening can actually be a ritual of connection for many couples. So it doesn't have to look like something in particular it just has to be created with some intention and and really the option for a connection is found in not so much the activities but in how you're engaging with your partner often on an emotional level those are the kinds of moments that connect you know to say how are you and be available to hear the answer and have it mm-hmm. be okay for your partner to not be okay and to tell you about that. It's the moments of connection that I think help relationships more than any other.
2: Wow, well, beautiful.
1: I think that uh, one of the problems that I see with with uh, men is that they feel uh, criticized in all sorts mm. of, of situations. Yeah. And then their uh, go-to solution is usually to stonewall, to to be mm. distant and to like just go away from what they consider a, a danger. This moment where they might say something wrong again and, and, and do something wrong again. So mm. they just become more distant. What are some things you would like to say to men that uh, can re- like relate to that? They feel criticized, maybe even on a day-to-day manner. What can they do to improve the situation?
0: Yeah, well, this, this is a, a common pain point, I think, for many couples on both sides of the equation. In, in heterosexual relationships, yes, men can feel criticized, blamed, withdrawn. And, and their wives or partners often feel very hurt and angry, which is leading them to feel critical and blaming. And, and so, you know, what we know from research into evidence-based practices and forms of couples and family therapy, such as emotionally focused therapy therapy, the Gottman method and so these are our models that are shown to be really effective. I think an important thing for people to realize and and learn about is the systemic nature of relationships and the awareness that we're not so much acting as individuals in our relationships but rather having reactions to each other. And so In a relational system where one person is the pursuer, which is maybe kind of angry or critical and blaming, uh, they're often pursuing and being angry and critical and blaming because they feel unheard, unacknowledged, uncared for. They are not getting a response from their partner, and so they have to work harder to try to be understood So it's oftentimes important for men who are feeling criticized and blamed instead of saying, what's wrong with my wife to say, why would it make sense that she is communicating with me in this way? Is it difficult for her to feel like I'm listening to her? What can I do to help her feel cared for? Because if you shift into that place, you have a whole lot more power in that moment. Similarly, for a woman in that scenario to say, why doesn't my husband want to talk to me? Why does he avoid me? Why does he shut down? Why won't he like you know, listen to what I'm saying? Why does he get defensive? Many times the answer is because you're coming across as being very aggressive and threatening and scary and blaming, and he is having a negative reaction to you. So what can you do in that moment to show him that you're actually feeling hurt or lonely or disrespected? Because that would be a much more effective conversation. People sort of need to have a new story about what's going on in order to find empowerment in these moments.
2: Yeah, that, that's pretty deep
0: long-winded place. answer. A long-winded no, answer, but the I tr-
2: love it. I love this <laughs> answer. I think that's pretty deep and really important for couples to understand. You know, couples they come to my they come to my practice. He wants me to fix her. She wants me to fix him. Mm-hmm. And when I bring in this uh, circular, this systemic yeah. uh, view, it really takes away a lot of the mm-hmm. the blame and and guilt and shame, and it's yeah. easier. To understand so i feel like it would be good to mm-hmm. drill a little bit deeper into this sure so mm-hmm. a critical wife in our example but of course mm-hmm. it, it can be to uh, both uh, genders so what's underlying this behavior sometimes you yeah. think well i mean
0: the reasons the circumstances you know can be different in every situation but i totally agree with you that that one of the the toxic things that begins to happen in a relationship over time is that people develop stories in their heads about why their partner is behaving a certain way. And it's usually because of their character flaws or deficits or emotional stunting because of their relationship with their mother, whatever. You know, it's like all these stories about why people are the way they are. And It's, I think, in contrast, much more challenging to say, what is it like to live with me and to do some of that reckoning and some of that hard work around, how do I communicate when I'm feeling angry or hurt or frustrated? Anger is always, as I'm sure you know from your work, a secondary emotion. Underneath of anger is always some version of fear or pain. And so the reason why that comes out in couples counseling can be like, you said you would do the dishes and you didn't. I have to do everything around here. I don't like it that you're spending hours playing video games with your friends instead of hanging out with me. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons, but underneath it is this, I think, basic fear of, I need you. Are you here for me? Are we doing this together? Can I count on you? Why can't I get you to help me when I ask for help? those very vulnerable kinds of emotions and, and and needs are often what comes out in the safe space of a couple's counseling session. And that's very different than, you did not unload the dishwasher, right? And people can respond to that mm. in, a, in a much more, I think, loving way when they really understand what's going on. But the truth is that before people do this work, they don't understand what's going on. They are actually mad about the dishwasher and feel absolutely that like it is within my rights to jump all over my husband's case when he walks in the door because of the dishwasher. And, and they need help in getting down to like, what is this really about for you? And it's like, well, I feel alone. Yeah. So it's people ask for like suggestions or strategies sometimes. I'm sure this happens to you too in your couples counseling sessions. But it's like, well, it's actually a growth process. We need to really understand what's happening and have experiences that help you reconnect, not just with your partner, but, but with yourself. Because if I tell you, okay, you unload the dishwasher on Monday, you do it on Tuesday. That's just a bandaid. That's not going to change anything.
1: Wow. Uh, I love how the whole standing point, the whole starting point is to look at yourself and like, what can you really affect in, in, in this world, if not yourself, that's where you have most chances of changing something Mm -hmm. and see the results uh, almost immediately. And uh, I find the questions that start with why, like a very, very interesting point in a relationship where like, you can listen deeper or listen harder mm-hmm. to that question. So mm-hmm. usually a question that starts with why, like why did you do this? Or why, why, is, this, why is this that way or that way? Mm-hmm. Uh, why didn't you uh, do something? Or why did you do something? Those questions uh, perceived as criticism a lot of time because basically mm-hmm. the underlying message is yeah. you were misbehaving by doing this. Now explain yourself. Right. It, this is the underlying. But, but beneath that why is a need that wasn't was unfulfilled Mm -hmm. so it's almost like the person that says why and starts that question is basically already saying I need to be respected or I need to be heard or I Mm -hmm. need you to show me you care or so if if only we had some translator app on our phone that will like text us or tell us she means that she's feeling alone right now and mm-hmm. you know you didn't even notice. If only we, we had that. Um, mm-hmm. But just being alert to this question, why, and, and and noticing that there are, there is an underlying need here to be mm-hmm. figured out. Yeah. W- what do you think about the questions and like you choosing words uh, in 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 a gentler way? Or oh, like
0: mm-hmm. you are exactly right. Research supports what you're saying in addition to our clinical practice. But backing up, I I think both of us have had the experience many times in our role as a a marriage counselor to be exactly that translator and to say, what I think I hear you saying is that you'd really like to feel more connected, (laughs) you know, like helping people reconnect with those noble intentions and and be understood. And you're absolutely right that the way we bring up our feelings or, or complaints is highly dependent on on the way those conversations wind up going or I should say that the conversations themselves are very dependent on the way we bring things up. And really I mean just part of cultivating healthy communication skills is instead of why'd you do that you know to, to come back to how how am I feeling right now and how can I gently and appropriately let my partner know that I would like to talk more about this? that that felt hurtful to me. And also, instead of having it be like, because I need to tell him that, like, why did this happen? You know, as, as a genuine curiosity that opens the door for understanding and connection. Because whenever people do anything, they have reasons why you know, they have a context and circumstances that make perfect sense for them. And it's, I think a mistake to get so wedded to your point of view that you miss the fact that your partner might be preoccupied or have had a really bad day, or you know what, I totally forgot to unload the dishwasher because let me tell you what happened with my boss today at work, scared the crap out of me. So it's like, Approaching it with like a an empathy and compassion and curiosity as opposed to blame. And I think that that is, is really the ultimate relationship skill we can all learn is to develop compassion and appreciation for the inner life of our partner and their way of being and thinking and feeling and not have it just be so focused on our, ourselves and our needs in those moments. It's hard to do though. Yeah, that's. But some might say that's the definition of true love. So yeah. there's that.
2: <laughs> yeah, we have this bias. We 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 think that the other is just like us, mm-hmm. and they're not. They're unique, and uh, sometimes it's annoying, and sometimes it's beautiful and celebrated. Mm-hmm. And it's good yeah. if we celebrate it more than being annoyed by it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, to develop appreciation. I mean, I I have been with my husband now, believe it or not, for this month will be twenty seven years. We met in nineteen ninety three, and you know, I know it's crazy. And and just over the years, like going going, we we definitely knocked the corners off each other. You know, back in the day, but like really developing this genuine appreciation for who he is as a person and the things about him that maybe bothered me or that I wish were a little bit different are all. Also, the source of so many of his strengths and the, the beautiful things about him, and the difference of perspective, and the different ways of, of doing things or seeing things, and being able to again develop that appreciation and respect and be communicating that in interactions, great and small, because the little things matter.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a little bit about your podcast, the Love, Happiness, and Success podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm interested specifically for this moment uh, in this interview about the success part and how how you know what what's the relationship between those three, how they affect success.
0: Well, my goodness, they're, they're all so t- tightly intertwined. And, and I think that it really probably mirrors a lot of your work and your message that we are whole people. We have whole lives and like what you guys are doing around strengthening your relationships and your marriages to create the foundation for you know, success in other parts of your life, which is incredibly important and when you know you talk to people about what success means to them it really goes into, well, my, my family and being happy and feeling connected to others and feeling like I'm doing what I want to do and that I have the freedom to do what I want to do and that my work is meaningful and purposeful. And, you know, it's always intertwined. So for example, when someone wants to focus on their success and sometimes it's, you know, clarity about developing a career, uh, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? A lot of times what we're talking about are things like emotional intelligence skills. How do you manage your own feelings and your own internal experience in such a way that you can stay calm in stressful situations on the job and communicate effectively as a a leader or as an employee in order to maintain and cultivate those relationships, many of the same skills that we're also using at home with our partners and with our children. And in order to do that, I think it really focuses on self-awareness and being able to like manage yourself and also know like what makes me happy what do I need in order to feel satisfied and fulfilled there are so many things that are interconnected and so many pieces of that puzzle and I think that they need to be viewed as a a whole because we are whole people you know not not one of us is just our career or just our relationship or just our inner experience yeah so so we talk about various topics all sort of towards towards those goals on on the podcast mm-hmm. love
1: it i really do yeah. agree and i think that uh, this is like all of us we care about the different aspects of life and they mm-hmm. actually are uh, they affect each other in such a powerful way like even how you maintain your body and how, what you you yeah. how you use it and how you maintain mm-hmm. your energy with it mm-hmm. Affects the way you feel and that affects your smile to your partner and that's a deposit. And then that affects back uh, how you feel in your work. And when you come back and share a story from there Mm -hmm. and uh, you you really cannot uh, um, play this game where there's only like a, a linear list of priorities. Where yeah. okay, number one priority is this, and then this. Well, number one is health. No, it's family. No, maybe it's the fel- the health of the family. And like and then, but you need you need money for both. So like it, yeah. it it's a more holistic way mm-hmm. to consider them intertwined and to work as partners to try and. And, and cultivate success throughout all of them. Mm-hmm. So I uh, couldn't agree more. This has been a really fascinating uh, interview. And I think that there's so many things to explore and, and uh, discover. And uh, you can actually do this, guys. If you go to growingself.com, you will find... All the information about Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby, uh, including uh, the information about her book and her podcast, and we highly recommend you check it out to to deepen your relationship with yourself, owning the fact that there is a connection between love and, and success uh, and marriage. So, any any last uh, question, Shachar?
2: No, I'm just uh, very thankful. Thank you, Dr. Lisa. I love how soft and fierce you are. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. And, and thank you for mentioning the blog at growingself.com. And also just want to share that it's, it's not just the Lisa show. I, I am privileged to work with all kinds of very, very talented um, marriage counselors, Career coaches, life coaches, and they have all kinds of wonderful advice and articles on the blog at GrowingSelf.com. So if you come into the search bar and it's like, you know, how how do I choose a career, or you know, advice for dating, or breakup recovery, or life transitions, communication tips, all kinds of stuff. There's there's good stuff. We get to get to work with a lot of smart people. So, well,
1: I, I want to ask just last one last question: yeah. What's the backstory of? You choosing to write the book Exaholic, uh, Breaking Your oh, addiction yeah. to an Ex-Love, uh, because this is like uh, uh, relatively specific. I just wonder if you can mm-hmm. share with us what was your vision or what was the backstory of yeah. the book?
0: Do you want to hear the absolute truth? It was divine intervention. I don't think it had anything to do with me at all. Yeah. So when I was a teenager, I had a boyfriend that I just loved to pieces. And it was a very, you know, like intense teenager relationship. And it was an incredibly traumatic experience. We were together for a couple of years, which in you know the life of a 14-year-old is about two decades. And he broke up with me to go out with my best friend who lived across the street from me. And so it's like seeing the whole thing, the friend group. I mean, like, imagine as dramatic as it could get, you know, in, in for for a teenager. And it was just terrible. It was so terrible. And it was difficult to heal from. You know, like even, even like getting out of high school and into college, like there was still an unfinished business there. And so then, you know, kind of went about my life and connected with my husband, who was a wonderful man and for totally different reasons wound up, you know, pursuing a career as as a counselor myself, but always sort of had a special heart for people who had had this life experience. And in um, our blog at growingself.com, I just, you know, wrote little articles and advice for people who are going through that and just, you know, with the things that I had learned along the way. And totally, miraculously, and accidentally had the great privilege of meeting Dr. Helen Fisher, who is a biological anthropologist who has done an enormous amount of research onto the science of love and the addictive nature of love and why people get so attached to other people, even in the context of breakups or toxic relationships. So totally like random thing. And then some person who wanted a book written happened to see my my podcast and my work on that and was like hey how would you feel about writing this book here's the title like okay and so it I wrote the book yeah
2: Wow, you were I summoned
0: exactly. I, and I and I know it sounds so ridiculous, but like that's also I think part of like to go back to your message around like what what is success, you know, is and cultivating self awareness and the kind of life that contributes to real success. Isn't almost so much about like making things happen, although we have to have clarity and goals and all of that. But it's really like becoming self aware enough and developing your own gifts and your own like talents of that are of service to others. And then like sort of being available for the universe to do what it wants to do with you. And, and like looking for moments of flow. Cause I couldn't have made any of that happen if I'd wanted to.
1: <laughs> um,
0: yeah. So there's a.
1: Love it. Right? Thank you. Yeah. That's
2: a beautiful story. Thank you for your vulnerability.
1: Yes. Yeah stories are the best
0: well i I hope it's helpful to your listeners and and just for the record i'm also very much a fan of like trying to create good good things and and taking action on one's own behalf but uh, there's just more to the story so
1: cool uh so thank you again so much dr lisa marie bobby and thank you guys for listening to the generous marriage podcast we'll see you again next week thank you Shacha.
2: Thank you, everybody. This was fun. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.